Hello and welcome. Today's topic, central bank digital currencies, the pros and the cons. So thank you for yeah, joining me today. I really appreciate that you are taking your time and yeah, joining me today to talk about this kind of new form of money. But before we start, um, let me know if you can see and hear me loud and clear, just to make sure that on my end, um, yeah, all the tech is working and you have the best experience. So um, yeah, if you're watching this, um, give the video a like, um, or even better, let me know in the comments, um, yeah, if you can see and hear me loud and clear where you're from, what industry you're in. And uh, yeah, I'm happy for every hello. Generally speaking, uh, yeah, usually on YouTube, you have the best experience just from a technology standpoint. But that being said, um, yeah, let's jump right into it. Let me open my slides here um, because, yeah, as the title of the video of the live stream um, says, today I want to talk a little bit about central bank digital currencies. Um, yeah, I think over the last months we saw some developments there and I think it makes sense to yeah, maybe have a little uh, more in-depth look about the whole, yeah, about this new technology or new form of money, however you want to call it. So central bank digital currencies, pros and cons, that's the yeah, topic of this talk. And yeah, I want to structure it in the following way. I want to talk about three different things. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about um, yeah, digital currency itself, meaning, yeah, let's talk a little bit about digital currencies, what are digital currencies and explain them a little bit. Then um, step number two, I want to yeah, really analyze them um, from different perspective on different layers and yeah, look at the pros and cons and then Finally, um, yeah, step number three, I want to give a conclusion and of course my personal opinion and my thoughts on the whole um, topic. So if you have any questions, um, any thoughts, any opinion, um, you disagree, you agree, whatever it is, um, yeah, let me know in the chat or if you're watching this as a replay, let me know in the comment section and then I will try to answer it um, either live during the chat or maybe later on in the comments. All right. So first of all, what is a digital currency? I think that's important to understand before we actually talk about um, yeah, central bank digital currency, because I think once we understand what a digital currency is, um, it's not so hard to understand what a central bank digital currency is or a CBDC. So when we look at Wikipedia, um, what they say about uh, or about digital currencies, we can read the following. A digital currency, digital money, electronic money or electronic, electronic currency is any currency, money or money-like asset that is primarily managed, stored or exchanged on digital computers, systems, especially over the internet. And I think yeah, that's a 
very broad but very specific um, explanation what a digital currency actually is at the end of the day. So no matter if you want to call it digital money, electronic money, electronic cash, it's at the end of the day all the same. Um, and yeah, if you follow me for a while, you know that I try to explain things um, as easy and simple and as yeah, tangible as possible. So yeah, my question to you is, have you ever played a video game in your life? Or maybe even multiple video games. Um, so when you have played a video game in your life or maybe your children or younger generation, um, you probably had some form of currency in there. Maybe, I don't know, a racing game. And when you run the race, then you get some money to improve car parts or an RPG, and then you can improve your character, buy better equipment uh, and whatnot. And of course, a lot of these mobile games um, are even that far that you can um, yeah, pay with real money to improve your character, to grow your farm faster or whatever it might be. Um, and when we look just at that industry, for example, um, yeah, just virtual items and virtual words like yeah, that kind of outfit costs 500 US dollar. And the whole industry is um, apparently 50 billion, uh, 50 billion um, US industry. Then I think we get a feeling for it that there are already digital currencies uh, in use on a very big scale, um, but primarily yeah, in the, in the gaming um, environment, environment in the gaming world. And uh, I think that's a very good example to transfer that then later on to yeah, what is happening now to the real world with the central bank digital currencies. And uh, yeah, there are really theses and papers written about um, these kind of games. For example, when we pick um, a game like EVE Online, one of these huge, massive uh, online uh, multiplayer games or whatever the specific name is for them, and um, they have yeah, complete economies. So they um, yeah, publish monthly report about the, the key industries and the key uh, yeah, commodities and whatnot, how they performed. Um, yeah, they have imports and exports uh, reports, um, salaries, taxes, uh, fees for the different services and, and products that you have uh, in these worlds. Um, you have to pay taxes and whatnot. You have governments. So you have, yeah, Basically everything that you have in the real world, yeah, we have already have in these uh, gaming environments and yeah, even money supply uh, and whatnot. And that is, um, yeah, makes it great for a lot of uh, yeah, scholars and, and people and economists that are in interested in that kind of world to have that kind of sandbox and to um, yeah, see what is actually happening uh, when we have a completely digital economy and in that case, a completely digital currency. And um, yeah, I think now it's a little better or a little easier maybe to understand uh, what, what a central bank digital currency is, because at the end of the day, it's nothing else than, um, yeah, instead of some game developer or some you know, software engineer or, or gaming producer um, has their own, they have their own currency in their own little world. Um, you know, just have the central bank that is producing their digital money and um, yeah, tries to use that as a legal tender. And that brings us to the main requirement or the main problem at the end of the day for every currency. 
And that's adoption because um, as we see, no matter if we're talking about you know, a currency in a digital world, in, in a gaming environment um, or in the real world, um, the main criteria is are people actually using it in the real world to yeah, buy for or to pay for products and services. So how, yeah, how high is the adoption of a specific currency? And even if we look at the classic cash or money system that we have today, there are countries um, where the trust of the people in the local currency is so low that they, for example, use um, yeah, a reserve currency or an alternative currency like the US dollar as a official payment system um, because people have more trust in that currency and the adoption is higher than um, yeah, with, their, with the local currency. So adoption and trust in that case um, yeah, are kind of going hand in hand. And um, yeah, that's one of the aspects um, that we will talk about or we'll have um, a closer look um, in a second. Um, but I want to emphasize that point really hard. The question if something works as a currency um, or not is 90% answered by, okay, are people using it? Is there an adoption? And um, yeah, I think when we progress a little bit um, during this talk, during this, during the slides, um, we will see why. So let's analyze, analyze um, the central bank digital currency um, a little bit, look at the pros and the cons, and um, yeah, also talk about the different market participants. Um, yeah, of course, there are a lot of facets, a lot of different uh, criteria we can actually um, use to yeah, rank or analyze or rate or whatever word you want to use. Um, uh, yeah, the, the central bank digital currency and um, feel free to use your own criteria. I try to boil it down to yeah, as few as possible. So one is usability, meaning is it actually usable in the day-to-day -day environment and how easy is it? For example, if we talk about gold, gold um, is yeah, probably the longest or the oldest and most trusted currency um, that we have on the gold. On the on the planet, um, that is why yeah, still today um, a lot of central banks has that as a yeah reserve, or a lot of um, yeah people have that as an as an asset as a store of value because people trust it. But it's not very usable. It's not very practical to yeah have a gold bar or something um, in in your pocket and to pay with that actually. So usability is just again from the adoption perspective uh, one of the major questions of how I, how easy is it for people to actually use it in their day-to-day -day life? Then, um, of course, cost. How expensive is it for every market participant, for the government or the central bank to actually um, yeah, create it, produce it, maintain it, um, and whatnot? For the merchants, um, yeah, the transaction fees that they have to pay, and, of course, um, for the end consumer, if yeah, they have to pay um, any fees to actually use that form of money. Security, of course, um, also again, a big question mark um, when it comes to trust and uh, then to adoption, meaning how secure is that kind of digital money? I cannot touch it. Um, yeah, how easy can it be hacked? How easy uh, can it be stolen uh, when, I don't know, a hacker scams me out of my password or if the, I don't know, central bank manager runs away with all the money, how secure, how safe 
is it at the end of the day? And then, of course, maybe the most important one, what about control? So meaning um, how much control do you have over your own money and um, yeah, to what extent is it actually your own money anymore? Uh, how much control does the government have um, or central bank and so on? And uh, yeah, as you realize, um, I oversimplify a lot when I say government or central bank, uh, I mean, that's at least in that context, uh, kind of interchangeable. All right, so we have um, yeah, also very simplified free market participants with the government, with the merchants that it actually use, and then we have the consumer um, at the end of the day, at the yeah, end user, if you want to. So when we look at usability, um, especially when we yeah, look at uh, the Caribbean, for example, and uh, how easy it is to pay online, to pay mobile uh, and whatnot, I think uh, for every market participant, for the government, for the merchants, for the consumer, it will be probably easier um, yeah, to do business, to pay for stuff um, and whatnot. That will be probably, generally speaking, um, yeah, easier than it is right now. But as far as I can see and what I found out uh, through my own research, again, um, correct me if I'm wrong or if I may be missing something, um, but that improvement is primarily because we're just coming from a very low level, as you probably know by yourself. Um, yeah, it's not really easy to do yeah, business payments or whatnot inside a Caribbean country, let alone cross-border payments. So, but generally speaking, we're just uh, yeah, talking about payments inside a country. I think the usability compared to what we have right now uh, in a lot of Caribbean countries will probably improve for every participant in that case. <clears throat> All right. Second, um, yeah, important aspect, um, cost. I think um, for the government, it will be probably a little um, cheaper than right now. You don't have to yeah, print physical money. Uh, maybe it's easier to to monitor. Uh, we have some, yeah scaling effects there um yeah it's easier to to track uh, tax payments and whatnot i think yeah from government perspective you'll probably save money and um yeah merchants uh, too they will probably also um yeah save some money um in terms of yeah lower transaction fees that they have to pay to to the merchants to the banks uh, and everybody so i think it will be a little cost saving for everybody involved behind the curtain at the back end if you want to um, but i think for the consumer at the end of the day um, won't change anything dramatically i think yeah the prices that you pay in the supermarkets uh, and whatnot will be the same maybe your banking fees uh, will go down a little but that might be the maximum overall you will probably have the same cost situation um yeah with a digital currency then we have right now with the cash system or semi-digital system that we have right now. I don't know how to call it. How to call it. Um, then security. 
Um, so when I talk about security, I mean every aspect of security, cybersecurity, um, yeah, how easy can it be stolen, how easy can it be uh, hacked, how easy can it uh, be go offline and don't work anymore, um, all these kind of aspects, again, we could probably fill a complete talk um, with just talking about uh, the different aspects here. But just because of the nature of the the system, meaning we're talking about a centralized system because all the power, all the you know, decision-making power is uh, you know, focused at one point. Um, it's an inherent higher risk than uh, any other form of kind of decentralized um, system that we are seeing right now. So um, on any level, government, merchant, and then consumer level, I think um, yeah, we see a higher risk. Um, think we, we are seeing a lower security levels in general or again it has nothing to do with any specific country or, or implementation just because um yeah of the nature of the the system here um damien has a question about costs so i think um, that probably works well here so i will bring it up right now again if you have any question everybody watching um, yeah, put it in the chat, put it in the comment section. I will try to answer it right now. So Demi Miller says, great point, Simon. Uh, regarding the costs involved, here's my question. If there are no fees to do transactions, how will banks make money at the retail level? Um, I don't know. I think um, they will probably think about some creative way to still um, make money. Again, at the end of the day, the main... Um, source of, of, of revenue or income traditionally of a bank is um, yeah, with the um, duration transformation, meaning you take in short-term money and, and lend it out as a credit uh, uh, yeah, on a long-term basis and you basically uh, take in the difference in the, in the interest rates um, or another kind of model where you try to hide uh, the cost. For example, you maybe uh, know a lot of these uh, free brokers, um, not in Jamaica, but for example, in the US or in Europe, um, where uh, yeah, they market with, um, you don't have any broker fees um, to do transactions. Um, of course, there are always costs, but for example, you don't have broker fees um, immediately, but they make their money through the spread, meaning the buy and or the difference between the buying and um, selling price. Um, and uh, yeah, I think there will still be uh, ways for for banks or for anybody involved um, to do transactions. And I think it will be also a question um, of the kind of service level. For example, if you offer specific um, uh, services um, that people actually value, um, I think then banks will also or, will all, or any kind of business will have the option or the opportunity to make money. I think right now. Um, why most banks are able to make money is because customers are forced to use them um, because we literally have no other option to, yeah, to do business, to do payments and whatnot. I think with the current developments, FinTech, DeFi or central bank uh, digital currencies, I think we see a lot of change there and a lot of power shift. Um, so therefore, yeah, I think it's important to keep up to date and, and uh, yeah, make sure that no matter how you involved um, private business or maybe you are working in the industry that you keep yourself up to date. But um, yeah, I think generally speaking, the, 
the business models of a lot of banks have to change in the future. The fee structures will have to change in the future, um, but it will be still the old question. Um, what is the value that you are going to provide to your customer as a bank? And um, are people willing to, to pay for that? I think that's uh, what it comes down to. And uh, we will see. Uh, ask me 12 months down the line. Um, maybe I know more then. Um, I think when we talk about Jamaica, I think they announced that at the end of this year, meaning at the end of 2022, they will allow um, external wallet providers to integrate or whatnot. But uh, again, I'm not uh, up to date and not involved in every detail of this process. But I hope that answers your question so far. All right, so we talked about cost, we talked about um, security. And um, yeah, again, you can dive deeper in the security issues and uh, with all the problems that come with the actual implementation um, and whatnot. And you know, if governments uh, or you know, public agencies are actually able or have a good track record in, in doing that. But yeah, I think that's another topic I would maybe dive too deep into that. All right, let's talk about um, one of the most, um, at least in my, from my perspective, maybe most important things when we talk about money, when we talk about finance uh, in general, when we talk about banking, uh, and that's control because um, money at the end of the day um, is a form of control. And the more money someone has, the powerful that person is or that institution when we're talking about the government. But um, as you know, there is no thing as a government, they are just people. Um, so I think the central bank digital currency gives government immense power and control over, yeah, over the money basically of their citizens. Um, and I will talk about that a little more in a minute, but I think there's, I think, almost nothing comparable to that. Again, think back at the end of, uh, at the beginning of my talk when I used that um, yeah, video game example, um, meaning basically every video game has some form of currency, some form of reward system, where you then can yeah, improve your character, buy new stuff, trade and whatnot. And uh, the people that control that currency are the game developers, the software engineers in the background, they can hit a button, give you a million more, uh, or another button and remove all your money. And uh, yeah, therefore have full control over the, the finance and, and monetary system. Um, therefore, it takes away control from the merchants, from the banks, uh, from, from everybody involved and also from the um, consumer. So um, yeah, when we look at the power dynamic, um, how that shifts, uh, I think it's a massive shift. Um, maybe one of the reasons why yeah, countries like China and so on um, are very interested in implementing this kind of money or, or system. All right, we have another question. Christopher is asking on LinkedIn. Um, hi, Simon, this is Chris from Ask How. I hope I pronounced that correct, or how we, I don't know. Um, how will the underserved be able to top up central bank digital currency, especially when their source is, rem is in remittance? Um, yeah, good question. Um, I will talk about that a little later on um, when I talk about alternatives or solutions, because I don't want to be only the person that is uh, complaining or saying, ah, that's not working, that's a problem and whatnot. Um, but before I talk a little more about that later on, to make it short, um, 
I think that's nothing where the, the unbanked will be helped with, because I think let's talk about Jamaica and probably most Caribbean countries, um, we have a banking rate of about, let's say 50%, meaning only 50% of the population actually have a bank account. Um, so I think from my perspective, it should be a goal to make sure, okay, let's make sure everybody first gets a normal bank account or a bank account at all um, before we invest time and resources in some fancy new technology that will or will not work. Um, but again, I will talk about that um, in a minute. But generally speaking, yeah, I don't see any big um, benefit for, for unbanked um, people right now. Again, when we just talk about usability, um, yeah, it might be a little bit uh, easier, although you still have all the KYC requirements uh, and so on. So to get an account, to get a wallet, um, will still be the same problem. You need some form of ID and you know all the problems and I don't know, your pastor to get, um, not to open a bank account. Um, so yeah, and I mean, that's that's why I kind of do this uh, talk or, or these live streams, these um, yeah, conversations to figure out what is actually the benefit, uh, what are the risks, what are the pros and cons, because I haven't really found that much benefit or whether the end consumer or the normal people actually benefit from that um, at the end of the day. But uh, yeah, good question. And uh, I'm sure we'll dive a little bit deeper into that uh, in a minute. I hope that answered your questions or your question so far, nonetheless. So um, yeah, what did I say? Control, um, yeah, again, because it's a centralized system now, a central currency, um, yeah, the central bank controls everything and again, can now press a button uh, and do whatever they want um, with that money. So yeah, think for yourself how much you trust your government uh, or whoever will be in control of potentially all your life savings. So um, I tried to bring it back on, on one slide here. I hope um, you can see that. So again, we have all three market participants. We have the government, we have the merchants, um, meaning yeah, the merchants, the vendors, the banks, so everybody in between, um, and the end consumer. Then uh, again, we can have a look from very of multiple angles uh, on the problem or on the situation. I picked these four usability, cost, security, and control. So when we look at usability, I think it will probably, hopefully, be easier uh, to do business, to pay for stuff uh, than with the current system. But um, again, just because we are coming from such a low level, um, nothing from a systemic standpoint um, that a central bank digital currency can cannot be done with the current system, meaning um, when you are in Europe, when you are in the US, um, yeah, you pay basically instantly um, with your mobile banking, with your PayPal, and more whatever you are using and whatever is, is popping up, up uh, left and right. Um, but compared to what we're having, especially in the Caribbean right now, I think usability will improve for yeah, every participant. Then we have the cost um, factor, I think um, also, yeah, just because it's better uh, or more digital technology, we will probably see cost savings yeah, on the government level, on the merchant level, um, because when we can probably remove a lot of paperwork, we can if, yeah, make processes more efficient. We don't have to print that much paper money uh, or technically it's cotton um, anymore than, than before. But for the end consumer, there will be probably not such a big change um, 
than right now because again right now you don't pay any fees or whatnot when you pay with cash um, you maybe have some banking um, fees but uh, that's about it but besides that i think we will not see a big change uh, in the cost structure for the end consumer from a security standpoint um again yeah i'm skeptical i think uh, just because of the centralized nature of the system um, makes it more vulnerable for attacks, for mistakes, for you know, bugs and whatnot on every level. Um, so yeah, I think that's a kind of red flag um, for me here. Um, and then when we look at control, meaning who controls your money, are you actually still owning um, your own money? Then we see, um, at least from my opinion, and I'm very interested in yours, um, that the power dynamic shifts completely, meaning now the government or the central bank has complete power, complete control on every level um, over your money, over the, yeah, the population's uh, money. So, and I think um, what is very interesting or, or I think we should keep in mind, um, another source um, that you might want to check out is from, for example, from last year, the Telegraph. And again, yeah, Governments all over the world um, are discussing um, not only uh, central bank digital currencies, but also crypto, blockchain, and whatnot. Again, we are living in interesting times. Um, so here we see uh, from the Telegraph, Bank of England tells ministers to intervene on digital currency programming. They say digital cash could be programmed to ensure it is only spent on essentials or goods which an employer or government deems to be sensible. I read it because I'm not sure if you can actually um, yeah, see it on your screen. Uh, from uh, Tim Wallace in June 2021, the Bank of England has called on ministers to decide whether a central bank digital currency should be programmable, ultimately giving the issuer control over how it is spent by the recipient. Tom Mutton, a director at the Bank of England, said during a conference on Monday that programming could become a key feature of any future cash central bank digital currency in which the money would be programmed to be released only when something happened. He said, you could introduce programmability. What happens if one of the participants in a transaction puts a restriction on the future use of the money? There could be some socially beneficial outcomes from that preventing activity which is seen to be socially harmful in some way. Hmm. No problem with that. But at the same time, it could be a restriction on people's freedoms. So, yeah, what does it mean? And I think the, the first paragraph kind of puts it, digital cash could be programmed to ensure it is only spent on essentials or goods, which an employer or government seems to deems to be sensible. Meaning the government decides what is okay, what you can buy or not, or your employer or whatnot. All right. And um, I know you might think no matter that's yeah negative uh, talk or too pessimistic or whatnot i will just want to show you a few events that happened in the last six um months that yeah kind of falls maybe in that um category because yeah you might think yeah they would never touch your money right i mean you live in a safe country you trust your politicians 100 they are not corrupt they have never do something wrong they always put you in always put your interest first before theirs right we, we know that that would be a secret basically so um yeah as we know a lot of 
Caribbeans so I have probably family members in the in Canada or in the UK. Therefore, I pick uh, I'm picking these examples. So you heard of the, the the protests of the truckers in Canada because they were not um, or they didn't like some of the things the government um, did, and they protested. And um, yeah, you can see here Canadian banks restrict funds to trucker protest groups, which means they yeah couldn't access their money. They hadn't access to their bank accounts anymore. They couldn't buy food, couldn't pay their rent, anything. And not only that, but everybody that was affiliated with them or sent them money or supported them any way or form uh, basically could also be affected by these yeah freezing of their assets. So just to formulate it, this year in 2022, it happened that in a Western democracy, the government froze assets, money, bank accounts of a certain group of people because they didn't like what they do. They didn't like that they protest nonviolently, by the way. Then, yeah, something right now on a way bigger scale. Yeah, you, the conflict in the Ukraine with, with Russia, the US and the European Union agreed to cut Russian banks out of the vital SWIFT financial system as part of the latest sanctions. Another example, just to show you how powerful um, yeah, finances or the financial system, generally speaking, is. And um, also that it is a little harder right now because a lot of people, a lot of banks, a lot of players have come have to come together to actually affect um, someone else. And of course, that will be way easier for a government to cut someone out of the financial system when we have yeah, a digital currency or a central bank digital currency. Um, yeah, if you are living in uh, Russia right now, if you're a normal Russian, or if you are a business person that does business right now, if you're McDonald's in Russia right now, um, yeah, your assets gets, or potentially um, will get seized by Russia, um, yeah, a lot of your money lost all of your wealth. You can't buy anything um, outside of Russia with your rubles and whatnot. Um, so again, another example um, of what can happen from one month to another. Um, and believe me, neither the Ukrainians or the Russians actually, yeah, majority of them didn't expect that to happen and to be affected in that scale. So now you might thinking, yeah, Simon, but I'm neither a Canadian trucker, nor I'm anti-vaxxer, nor Russian, nor a criminal. I'm a law-abiding citizen. Okay. Um, yeah, I want to read uh, this quote, or I think it's a poem, from um, yeah, Martin Niemöller, a German pastor that lived through um, yeah, the German Nazi regime, basically. So, and here's what he said. First, they came for the socialists, and I did not speak up because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak up because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak up because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. And um, yeah, what I want to show you with that is it doesn't really matter if you agree with the people that get sanctioned or that um, yeah, suffer from, from these consequences. Um, you always have to think, okay, what is the worst case scenario, at least in my perspective? 
Again, even if you think that the current politicians or people in power, whoever controls your money at the end of the day, um, even if you think they are sacred and they always will put your interests uh, before uh, before theirs and they're, yeah, they're basically Jesus, all right? Even if you think that, they will not be always in power. They will be other people and you don't know if you can trust them or if they will not misuse that power. And there's that old saying, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Imagine just the amount of power that you have when you know, hey, I have basically complete control over the money of my citizen. Because cash, you at least, I don't know, you can hide it outside the country, you can dig it or hide it inside a hole or whatever, all not perfect solutions. But again, nothing compared to the power that you're giving um, a government or a central bank with a central bank digital currency. At least in my opinion, again, um, I'm open for, I'm open to learn, correct me where I'm wrong, uh, maybe I'm seeing things a little bit too negative. But um, yeah, here comes my conclusion. Again, I think uh, early on we looked at the benefits, um, the positive things for, for all participants and also the risks. And for me, really, it comes down to the question, are we really willing to risk so much of our fundamental rights and control of our lives just to potentially save a little money? Because that was the major benefit that I could find. Yeah, maybe everything gets a little cheaper in terms of transaction costs, transaction fees uh, and whatnot. But that's it. I couldn't really find any other significant benefit. Again, maybe you know something that I don't know. And I personally think that the price we will have to pay for it is too high for what we get for it. So, yeah, I think um, that's pretty much my conclusion. Um, so, yeah, back to the question, uh, I think also from you, Christopher, um, what are alternatives or, or again, not only complain, but actually find solutions. So again, for me, alternatives, um, the first step would be improve the existing solutions. There is, especially in the Caribbean, a lot of room uh, yeah, upwards. Uh, there's still a lot of things that can be improved. Um, as I said earlier, just make sure that it's easier for people to actually get a bank account. You can yeah, improve a lot of processes here and you know, just be more efficient there and get on a, uh, on a proper level. So alternative would be improve the existing solutions and alternative or option B, and again, I'm not an expert here, um, maybe change the system fundamentally when we talk about decentralized decentralized finance or um, yeah, when we talk about blockchain technology, cryptocurrencies and so on, which are basically the complete opposite to a central bank um, digital currency where all the control and all the power is, as the name says, centralized and at one point. And on the other hand, a decentralized system with blockchain where everything is open and transparent and basically the majority decides um, what is going to happen, but we only have small pockets of power and the power and control is distributed. Um, let me see, is there another slide? No, that's it um, with my slides. So um, yeah, if you have any questions, thoughts, um, let me know. And Damien says the scenario is almost like creating a dystopia for a digital holocaust. Um, yeah, I, I hope not, but um, Again, it always depends on what, what we actually 
uh, want or what kind of world do you want to live in? Do you want a world or do you want to live in a world like, like China where you have a social credit system and you know, the government and the state knows everything about you and says what you can buy, what you can basically think. And if you spend the right time with the right people that the government seems uh, yeah, okay. Um, or do you want to live in a world where you have at least most control um, over your life and uh, over your money at the end of the day is a big part of, of freedom if you cannot uh, yeah, buy your food, buy your, or pay your rent or, or travel or whatever, um, then you basically yeah, kind of at least financially um, enslaved. So again, whenever I dive a little deeper in the topic um, central bank digital currency I can't find any positive thing besides the fact um, yeah that I get a little dystopian here when I think what can all go wrong and um, yeah I think that's maybe the main problem right now that most people only focus on the, on the positive uh, sides or on the benefits and again I couldn't really find so much of them uh, and yeah kind of ignore the the risks or the downsides because you know that as good as i do there's always a trade-off there is no perfect solution there are always pros and cons and then we have to decide all right are the benefits worth the risk or worth the price that we have to pay and um yeah of course i'm i'm uh, i'm a banker by by trade i'm always uh, look very detailed on, on risk analysis and when i look at that um yeah i'm not sure if that would be a bet, um, I would do. Yeah. So again, I hope um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope um, I'm, I'm writing uh, too dark of a picture here. Um, again, I'm open for every correction, um, any other thought, and uh, maybe I'm missing something. But um, yeah, as far as I can tell, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe Orwell was right with 1984. Um, yeah, I mean, when you look at some things that are happening right now, he was definitely right. I mean, um, again, I don't want to get too negative uh, here today. We are here to talk about um, central bank digital currencies. So again, if you have any questions around that, let me know. But uh, generally speaking, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, look at what we know, how uh, yeah deep the, the government or the state already is involved in our day-to-day -day lives, how much tech companies know about um, us, our behavior, our preferences and whatnot, just because of smartphones and technology that we carry around with us all the time. That was basically the wet dream of every totalitarian state that we um, yeah, voluntarily put that kind of spy device in our pocket and carry it around with us um, all the time. And yeah, when you remember back 2013, I think it was 2013 when the NSA scandal broke up and you know, it was publicly known by then, okay, also the security and intelligence agencies spying on all the citizens through these devices. Um, yeah, it's already here. Um, we might not really see it and uh, people might not yet misuse it. Um, yeah, and that's maybe why I'm... I'm a little bit skeptical or I think, yeah, maybe when it comes to money, um, that should be the red line that we shouldn't cross and shouldn't give the government or states or politicians or banks or whatnot uh, even more power than they already have. Um, I would rather go opposite direction, decentralize a little more, diversify, 
diversify the risk, give me even a little bit more power to the individual bag. Um, but yeah, that's just my personal opinion. All right, um, we are 44 minutes in. If you like it so far, um, I really appreciate if you give the video a like, um, share it with someone um, that you might uh, think could also benefit from it. That's usually the best way um, yeah, to show your appreciation or that it actually is useful for you and also kind of encourage me a little bit yeah, to do these kind of spontaneous live talks or conversations uh, in that format. And of course, if you haven't done so as yet, and if you watch that uh, on LinkedIn, uh, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Feel also free to head over to YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, make sure we have that bell notification thing on to uh, yeah, get notified whenever I go live or release any other form of content. Okay, I think um, that's it so far. Um, I think yeah, I answered all questions in the chat. Let me have a look. Yeah, it looks good so far. If you have any other question, um, yeah, feel free to reach out to me. Um, yeah, let me know in the comments what you think. And I hope uh, yeah, that we see each other soon and that we talk to each other soon. And that being said, thanks for joining me today. And I wish you all the best. Bye bye.